This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. We are back still on Mount Moriah. We covered the uh, Abraham part of it last week. We'll do a little bit more of that this week. And, uh, we're going to be in, uh, back in Genesis here. I'm going to review just a, just a little bit. And uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 22. The main topic today is going to be the threshing floor. I'm going to cover a whole lot about that. I'm not going to finish, I can tell you that, but it's just so much meat in that. I'm going to take my time and go through it. Uh, it just fascinates me. The deeper I get into something like that, it's, it's a whole lot to it. But where we left off last time, let's see Genesis chapter 22 was the covenant being established with Abraham and his seed. And they had set that up through the circumcision, but, that, but the main thing is, is that it was secured by Abraham's faith. And as, this, is the, this fascinated me as I was studying it in 22. Let's, let's read that in, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. And I'm going to go back over a little bit because I ended up with this part of it last 22.2, and he said, this is God, well, let's go back to verse 1, and it came to pass after those things that God did tempt Abraham, and that's not temptation, because God don't tempt any man, it's testing him, testing his faith, and, uh, and said unto Abraham, he said, here I am, you know, it's a lot of times God can put something in your life. <laughs> to see where your faith is. He knows the answer. He knows what he's going to do. He knows where it's going to end up. But you don't. And once you get through one challenge, you can look back and say, he, made, he brought me through that. I'm going to get through this one. He brought me through that. I'm going to get through this one. And so we face challenges and, and God allows things to happen in our life to, to prove ourselves, prove ourselves that we can let go and let him have it. Verse 2, and he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah. We're on the Mount Moriah here. There's a whole lot of stuff other than this story right here that happened on Moriah. We'll get to that. And offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains which I tell thee. Moriah is a mountain region, a mountain range, and with a singular peak that peaks it. And that's what we'll get to here soon. Upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took his young men with him and Isaac his son and claved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place. And here's a key phrase right here which we'll bounce back and forth with here. Which God had told him. See, I don't want to go back further in there, but back in even Moses, when Moses, uh, anyway, let me, I don't want to go there because then I'll waste time. Anyway, the, the, the Moriah was chosen by God for this event, for where the temple was going to be built, for the threshing floor. Everything was, was geared uh, because God, that's where God had chose. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abram said unto his young men, Abide ye here. I and the lad will go up yonder and worship and come, to, and come again unto you. 
Now, you can't, I can't even imagine the, the heartache and the pain that Abraham was going through, knowing he was going to kill his son. But here's, here's the, the, the part here. I'm just going to got a couple of verses here, and then we'll get to the next part, but this is good for review. And Abraham said, let's see, verse 6. Abraham took the wood upon the burnt offering and laid it upon his son Isaac, and he took it in his hands and, and a knife, and they went, to, both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. So they burnt both together. In these next two verses, I'll stop on this part. And they came to the place which God had told him. He said, this is where it's going to happen. And Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order. And th this is really interesting to me because it's not listed in the Bible anywhere it was discussed. And bound Isaac his son and laid him on the wood, altar of wood. He had to know Isaac. Abraham had to sit down and say, son, I don't understand it. But you're the sacrifice. See, Isaac had to have the same amount of faith. Okay, dad, you go with God. He didn't fight. The Bible didn't say he didn't fight. He didn't scrap. He didn't butt, He didn't scream. No, no. He said he laid him upon the altar and, and Isaac himself there. Abraham had to just say, Son, I've got to offer you. I've got to go with God. God promised, God said it, and I've got to do it. And he laid him up there, and there was no struggle, according to the scripture here. If it, did, if it was, it wasn't listed. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said unto Abraham, 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 he said, here I am. He said, lay not the hand upon the lad. So that's, I basically got into deeper detail about that story last time. But the thing of it is, Abraham had to sit down, sit down with this won't no quick thing. He had to sit down and say, son, it just breaks my heart. But you heard God. You heard God tell me. I've got to do this. And, and Isaac, it just, I just picture in, in my mind, Isaac laying there on that wood, knowing, and his father came up with the knife. I mean, Isaac had to know, hey, this is it for me. It just... Anyway, that's a different part of that story. So now, we are going to, to... By the way, here's just some interesting stuff here. Sarah was 127 years old when she was buried in, the, in a cave, Malpila, Machpila. Abraham was 175 years old and buried with her. Okay, after that, this is 1,000 years later. This is where we're going to pick up today. We're going to the threshing floor of Moriah. Let's go to 2 Samuel first. This is really, really a cool study here, to me anyway. Well, let me see here. Let me find that. All right, here's, here's what had happened. Uh, the people of Israel were, 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 had made God angry. I'm not going to get into that part of it. Had made God angry. So they, God provoked the nation of Israel, the, all the people, 
into demanding that David number the people. Demanding it. And David was, didn't want to fight against the people. He said, okay, let's count them. That was his sin because God had earlier told him not to. And I'll show you that verse in a minute. But David ended up numbering them. So we're going to go to 2 Samuel chapter 24. And then we'll bounce back and I'll show you the scripture where God had told David specifically not to number them. But that was the sin. And again, the anger of the Lord, this is 24-1 of 2 Samuel. And again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he moved David again, and he, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. For the king had said to Joab and the captain of the host, which was with him, Go now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, and number ye the people, that I may know the number. Okay, without getting into a whole lot of, uh, of scripture for the sake of time, God said no because God wanted them to trust in God, not in numbers. Because the people would develop a fear to say, well, we can't take them. They got 800,000 and we've only got 300,000. And, and their faith would be just put into the numbers and not letting go and letting God have, his, have, have the supernatural deliverance. So we're going to go to the next side, verse 10. This is after the numbering, after the numbering of them. And David's heart smote him after he numbered the people. What that means is, you know how it is when you sin and you slip and you know what's better, you know what's wrong, you know you're wrong. The Holy Spirit convicts your heart. This is what happened to David. David, after he did this, he realized, oh, Lord, what have I done? I've, done? I've gone strictly against what God told me to do. And his heart smote him that he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. For when David was up in the morning, and the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, which we'll get into him in just a second, David's seer. Back then, they called a seer what a prophet, what we call a prophet. A prophet is a seer. The prophets, the seer is a prophet. Gad was a prophet, or they called him a seer, and this was David's prophet. Go now unto David, thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose one of them that I may do it unto thee. He's given David a choice of how he's going to handle that sin. So Gad came to David and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in, your hand, in the land? Or will thou flee three months from the enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days, three days of pestilence in the land? Now advise and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. He's saying, okay, David, this is what God has said. You've got three choices. You got seven years of famine. You're going to run in the wilderness for three year, three months, running from enemies. Or, or there's going to be an illness, a, a pestilence, which could be a like we just had, that's going to come through and, and going to wipe out a whole lot of people. You choose. And David said, verse 14, unto Gad, I am in great strait. Let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. Let me not fall into the hand of man. 
So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel in the morning in the, in the time appointed, and there died of the people from Dan, even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. Isn't that something? And, and, and it's, it's probable that these are the 70,000 men that stirred everything up that caused it all, all to begin with. You know, you can have one or two people even in a ministry like this that want to stir something up and start a fire, and next thing you know, it's out of control. And so God will deal with them. And he dealt with these people. Okay, and when the angel of the Lord stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the angel was going to wipe them all out with the sickness. Said him, to Jerusalem to destroy it. The Lord repented him of the evil and said unto the angel that destroyed the people, it is enough. Stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arana. Now that is on Mount Moriah. I'll show you here in, in scripture where Moriah itself, right in the pretty much the exact place where Abraham had offered Isaac up, was where Arana owned this threshing floor. His, that's the Arana, let's see. And David spoke unto the Lord, verse 17, and when he saw the angel that smote the people said, Lo, I have sinned and I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand pray thee against me and against my father's house. And uh so let me, let me get my notes here on this here. Arana was a Jebusite, but that wasn't his, his, uh, his real name. His real name, let me find it. Hang on. Yeah, I got it written down somewhere. It was Ormond. Let me find it. I got my scripture written down. Let's see, let's go to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 21. I got my, so many scriptures here, I want to get it right. 1 Chronicles chapter 21. Yeah. Hang on, Hank, bear with me. I'll get going here in a minute. It's basically the same story, but it's going to be told in a different way. Chapter 21, verse 1. Satan, verse 1 of chapter 21 of 1 Chronicles. And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. And David said unto Joab, Go to the rulers of the people and go number Israel from Beersheba even unto Dan and bring the number to me that I may know it. Joab answered the Lord, Answered, the Lord make his people a hundred times so many more as they, but my, but my Lord, the king, are they not all the Lord's servants? Why does the Lord, why do you, he's talking, calling David his Lord, not talking about the Lord. Why do he require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass to Israel? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed. Wherefore, Joab departed and went out to Israel and came to Jerusalem. And Joab gave him the number of the sum of the people, gave him the sum of the number of the people. David and all the house were a thousand, thousand, 
and a hundred thousand men that drew sword. I'm going to skip a little. Verse 7. And God was displeased with this thing, therefore he smote Israel. David said unto God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. Now I beseech thee, do away with the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done foolishly. Okay, then we go to the same story again, how David... uh, Okay. Verse 13. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait. Let me fall now into the hand of the Lord for great are his mercies, but let me not fall into the hands of the man. Let's go to verse uh, 16. This is after that pestilence was stopped. Well, let's see. Let's go back one more. 15. And God sent the angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it. And it was, and as he was destroying, the Lord held it, held, and he repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed it is enough. Stay now thy hand. And the angel of the Lord stood by the threshing floor of Ornan. See, Arana was the name of a leader, a leader of men. He was a Jebusite. They had already destroyed the Jebusite. He was one of the last ones remaining, and he owned the threshing floor. Arana, or Ornan was his name. Arana is a surname, per se, that they gave him as a leader, or David called him a king. And I'll show you that here shortly. And David, verse 16, And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and the heaven and drawing the sword and it stretched over his Jerusalem. And David and the elders of Israel were, were sackcloth that fell upon their faces. David said unto Gad, this is his seer, this is his prophet, is it not, is it not that I commanded the people to be numbered even as even I it is that have sinned and done the evil indeed? But these sheep, what have they done? That's the same story that we just had. Okay, first, you know, let's keep going because this is when he buys the threshing floor. And then we'll get into the threshing floor. See, the threshing floor was up, that threshing floor was about 100 foot in diameter. And what the threshing floor was, it, it's, they would take the wheat or the, and they'd take the oxen. And they would, t- they would make, take the oxen out in and out of, in shifts. Sometimes they had the... Uh, the skins on their feet so they wouldn't get the, the grain and all dirty. And the oxen would tread the corn or tread the wheat and they would sit there and pound the wheat and they would take these forks and throw it up in the air and the wind would take the shaft out of the wheat and the grain would stay in the bottom. And these oxen would just sit there and tread the, tread the wheat and, uh, and tread it out. So the threshing floor was, was a noted place all through scripture. You, you'll find threshing, the threshing floor listed all through the Old Testament, even the New Testament, how it separates the bad from the good. It's a separation. It's a, it's a total, okay, getting rid of the bad and take, keeping the good. And so the oxen would, would smash the straw down and they would, the rain would fall and they would throw it up in the air and the wind would blow. And the threshing floor was up on a mountain where it was always windy. It was always blowing. The wind was just like the ocean. It was always blowing. And so the, Arana owned the threshing floor. And he was actually threshing wheat when David came to him. And uh, let's, let's see. Verse 18. The angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor. So here, David, the Lord is talking to Gad. Gad, you go tell David 
to, to erect an altar on that threshing floor, that place right there, that threshing floor, and sacrifice an, an offering to cover the sin. Okay. Then the angel of the Lord commanded God, this is verse 18 again, to say to David that he should go up and set up an altar to, unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Oran. Oran. That's Orana, same man. The Jebusite. And David went and said up at the saying of Gad and spake unto the name of, in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel. And his four sons with him hid themselves. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. He was in the middle of threshing wheat. The crop had come in. They were separating the shaft. They were, they were, they were, they were getting the grain ready. The harvest had come. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David, and he went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with the face to the ground. David said unto Ornan, Grant me this place of this threshing floor, that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it to me in full price, that plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, this is the same thing, Arana, from the previous uh, scripture, Take, take it to thee and let my Lord the king do what is good in his eyes. And lo, I give you the oxen also for the burnt offerings and the threshing instruments for the wood, for wood and the wheat for the meat offering. I'll give it all to you. I seen the angel. I don't want no plague. I don't want nothing. You can have it. You just take the threshing floor. And the threshing floor... In, in that place where the temple is, I'll get back into that in a second too. The temple mount, the temple, Moriah's temple mount, the exact place where Isaac was offered up, and this, I'll show you this in the scripture too, Solomon built that temple right where the threshing floor was. So you had Abraham or Moriah offer Isaac up. You had David coming here buying the threshing floor and erecting the offer, off altar to cover the sin and it's a, it's a symbol of separation. And then you have, that's where the temple was actually built, right there on that place. And it shows that God had chose that spot years earlier. I may be talking fast, but I'm excited about what, about, about what I'm getting into here. Okay, and on, let's go back to verse 20. On and turn back and saw the angel and his four sons with him and hid, hid themselves. He was scared to death. He was saying, oh, you take it. I ain't never seen nothing like this before. I've seen what you people have done to my Jebusites and you just slaughtered us all. But, but this angel here, I don't want to know. You, you have it. Then David said to Ornan, Lord, let's, no, let's go. I've already read that. Verse 24. And the King David said to Ornan, Nay, or no, I will, but I will verily buy it for the full price. For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor burn offerings without a cost. So David gave Ornan the place, 600 shekels of, by weight, of silver, 600 shekels by weight. And David built the altar there unto the Lord and offered the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and the called upon the name of the Lord and answered, and he answered from heaven by fire upon the altar of the burnt offering. And the Lord commanded the angel, and he put up his sword again into the sheath. 
And at that time, when David saw the Lord, he answered him in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. Then he sacrificed there. Okay. So I hope you follow me on that. Okay. Real quick, verse 20, 20, chapter 23, verse 25. This is just this is just showing you a little bit further the establishing of the covenant before I continue with that. For David said unto the Lord God of Israel, hath given us rest to his people, that they may dwell in Jerusalem forever. So there's a continuation of the covenant forever. That place right there is is the is the is Israel's. Right now there's a there's a dome there. Okay. Moriah itself is 45-acre mountainous region. Mount Moriah is the most valuable piece of real estate on the earth. That's profound when the more I study it. The most valuable piece of property in the entire earth is Moriah. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? It's just, just, I wonder if it's just because God said, that's mine. It's profoundly sacred to Christians, Jews, and Muslims. The Jewish temple once stood there. Today they call it, today it's called Temple Mount. Right now the Dome of the Rock or the Muslim shrine is built there. Okay. Hang on just a second. Okay, let's go back to 2 Samuel. Verse chapter 24. Wait a minute, let's see, no. All right, let me, let me finish reading this here. Okay, the first temple was built right there on Moriah. It lasted 400 years until King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed that. In 17 years, 70 years later, it was rebuilt. Then the Roman armies once again destroyed it and led by Titus, the son or emperor of Vesparzin. I don't know all this. I'm just reading it to you. This is just part of my study. All that remains of that area is a portion of the retaining wall known as the Western Wall or Wailing Wall. It is the site of prayer and the third and site where the third temple will be built or near that location. Mount Moriah is a ridge of rock that rises to the point of the of the Hinnom and Kidron Valley rises through the city of David, and the dome is about 118 feet lower than the highest point on Moriah. Okay, I'm gonna, I gotta go back to these notes here now. Now I'll finish that one. Okay. Let's go to, let's go back to First Chronicles real quick. I know we're flipping back and forth, but this is all important. When I get to, you, you see all through the, even the New Testament, how even Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Talking about thresher. He wants to take your good and throw it up in the air and out and ruin your testimony. He wants to sift you as wheat and make you become the shaft. Chaff. I'll get to that later. But First Chronicles chapter 3. 
Let's see where I'm at. I think that's it. Hold on. Second Chronicles, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got about 40 scriptures here. I'm trying to flip through to make sure I... Right. Second Chronicles chapter 3. This is all important because I'm all, I'm, a, I'm all about Mount Moriah. All about the mountain Moriah, different things that happened on it. Verse 1 of chapter 3. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah. See, I've got scripture to back everything I'm telling you. It's not something that I've known in my head. It's not something, I just, I just got the scriptures written down. As me and the pastor took a group of us together. I was able to go to the Holy Land with my mother and father. We actually went inside that dome. You could go in then. You can't now. You take your shoes off. There's guys standing all around this platform with machine guns in the side of the dome of the rock, the gold dome. They think this is where Mohammed went to heaven on a white horse and came back with the Quran. This is why it's so holy to them. It's a whole, they, this is where Muhammad said, I did this. I went to heaven on a white horse and come back and gave. That's where the Quran came from. We sat there and touched the rock that Isaac was offered on. Isn't that just, it just brings chills to me because we, we walked right up to it and there it is. We're standing in the spot the first temple was built. We're standing in the spot the second temple was built. We were standing in the spot that the third temple will be built. It's just, it's just amazing how scripture backs itself when you can physically put your eyes on it. And, uh, but I just wanted to get to that scripture there. Then Solomon began to build the house of the, of, of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah where, check this out, let me finish the rest of it. Where the Lord appeared unto David, his father, in the place that David had prepared the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So regardless of what anybody says, there it is right there. You got the Abraham, it offered Isaac. You got the threshing floor of David. Because see, this sin that David did was, was far greater than just reading it that David numbered the people. Because it boils down to our lives and our own lives. When we look at circumstances in our life and we make decisions oh we, we take our eyes off of the Lord and our faith is gone because we see the physical not looking at the supernatural this, this caused the nation of Israel these 70,000 people that were slaughtered to say fear and, and there, the, God doesn't give us the spirit of fear and they just says oh we don't have enough to take that. We're going to be defeated here because look at these great. And you put your eyes here instead of, hey, God's got it. He parted the Red Sea. We got it. Here. Look, look, you know, instead of putting the faith and trust in God and just forget numbers. Forget them. God's in control. God's, God's got it all. And this was the great sin because it caused their faith to just be put in things instead of God. It took their mind off of God. And uh, so that was a great sin in God's eyes. Okay. And this is when Solomon began to build a temple. He told David, God told David, you can't build the temple because you're a man of war. Your son will build the temple. 
Okay. Let me get right there. I'll just cover one thing real quick here. Well, this is pretty cool, but I'm going to have to save that for next time. Okay. The threshing floor is a dividing or separating of wheat from the shaft, the good from the bad. If you look at Psalms 1, chapter 1, real quick. This is how all through the Bible, even David talks about the, the separation. The threshing floor means is a separating place. It's a place where you take, I mean, even the corn, when it was crushed down into the grain, all of the holes and everything was just discarded, and only the good was there. The threshing, back then they didn't have equipment like we did. They threshed out everything they ate. And this is what, what the psalmist was saying here, David. Blessed be the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth in the way of sinners. That doesn't mean you're standing in their way blocking them. That means you're running with them. You're going with them. You're unequally yoked together with them. Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, nor standeth in the way of sinners, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers that bringeth forth his fruit in the season, and his leaf shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Here we go. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. The ungodly are here and gone. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, and the way of the ungodly shall perish. Okay. Threshing theme is woven from, from Genesis to, all the way to the end. I don't know if I didn't look that far in Revelation, but all the way through the New Testament, the threshing floor, the threshing of wheat, the threshing of corn, the separation. Uh, this, this, uh, Matthew chapter 3. Real quick. I'm almost done with this part. We'll slow down a little bit next time. I just wanted to get the scriptures in and I'll finish up on Mount Moriah next time. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 12. No, verse 11. Indeed, I baptize, this is John the Baptist talking. Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than me, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. Talking about the threshing floor. The threshing floor is a very, very important part of, God, of God's judgment. He calls his judgment a threshing floor. And gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John the Baptist talking about, hey, our life is nothing but we're in a threshing floor. This world is a threshing floor. And they don't, they don't know what the, they're, they're going to be just thrown and cast out and it's going to be their choice. Okay. Let's see. Okay, let's go to Second uh, Samuel again, 24. And then I'll be, have to finish up with this. This will be, I'm 
telling you, I had to go through all these scriptures just to back what I'm saying, and I'll, get, I'll slow it down and paraphrase it next time, I promise you, that it'll be much more understandable than, but I want to, I got to cover the scriptures and I'm dead. All right, 2 Samuel chapter 24 again. One more here. Chapter 24 and verse, let's start with uh, verse 22. Because this is, remember we said Ornan owned the threshing floor. Samuel calls him Arana, but Arana is, is Ornan. Let's start with verse 18. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, go up, rear an altar unto the Lord. This is, this is after the sin. In the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And David, and David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord had commanded. And Arana looked and saw the king and his servants coming towards him. And Arana went up, went out and bowed himself before the ground, before the king, upon his, on his face to the ground. And Arana said, wherefore is my Lord the king come to his servant? And David said, to buy the threshing floor from, of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord that the plague might be saved from the people. And Arana said to David, let my Lord the king take offer up what seemeth good to him. Behold, here are the oxen for the burnt. Here are the oxen for the burnt sacrifice and the threshing floor and instruments and other instruments for oxen for wood. Okay, here's the verse I really wanted to see. You to see, all these things did Arana as a king give unto the king. And Arana said unto the king, the Lord accept thee. And the king said, Arana, nay, I will surely buy it of thee. See, David is calling him a king. David is calling him a leader. See, the, 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 the Jewish people had just wiped out the Jebusites. He was one of the last standing. How he owned the threshing floor on Mount Moriah, I don't know. I can't figure that out yet. I will. But can you, the guy had to be wealthy. It's the wealthiest piece of property. I don't know how wealthy it was, how, how much how value it had then. But anyway, he had it. I wonder if that's all he had of that site. And I'm going to have to finish up with it. But the main meat of this is that the threshing floor itself on Mount Moriah was a place of separation. This is why God reared the altar there. This is why David he said, this right here is my spot. This is where my temple's going to be built. This is where Abraham, my servant, had offered Isaac. All of these things right here happened on Mount Moriah. And uh, if you think about it, most Christians, I mean, we're taught scripture here. This is, I mean, we're taught word here. Don't give Moriah a second thought. They know, yeah, Abraham offered Isaac, but they don't know that that was a hard thing for that man to do is to sit down with his son and say, I'm going to have to kill you, boy. Can you imagine Isaac, the faith 
He had to have in his father. It's a beautiful story. I'm not going to get into that because I don't have time about God's love for us, gave his only son and, and Christ willingly laid down his life. I'm sure Isaac said, Dad, I understand, but if there's no other way, let's do it. If, if it's got to be done, if that's what God told you, you got to do it. I willingly lay down my life. It's a complete comparison of how Christ, got, you know, that had to hurt God to offer his son. But Jesus went willingly. You know, Jesus at any time, I'm going to have to close. Jesus at any time could have put a stop to that. God could have put a stop to it. So those are the things so far that has happened on Mount Moriah. Offering of Isaac, David buying the threshing floor, the first temple being built, destroyed. The second temple being built, destroyed. We're waiting for the third. Right now there's a dome of the rock on there. And, and all of that, all of that happened at the very spot of that little 100-foot section called the threshing floor for separation and preparation. And uh, you separate and you prepare yourself. In your own heart, that's how we are. We need to step into the threshing floor alone with God every single day of our life. Don't never go to bed at night with stuff that we, won't, that we might not wake up to in the morning and we're going to have to give an account for in the judgment. Because every day you wake up is, yeah, is a glorious thing. Every night, clear your calendar. Separate your wheat from your chaff every single night before you go to bed and just let go and let God have your troubles. And I'm going to have to stop with that. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.